This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. Hey folks, good good afternoon and welcome to Open for Business. Uh, if you've gone to anywhere you need to pay, you have so many options today. You've got an e-wallet, you've got seven credit cards, maybe not seven credit cards, it's hopefully not that. You even have cash and other solutions, QR codes as well. Now, while this is great for consumers, uh, it gets a bit complicated for merchants that have to acquire and process those payments. Enter Cashier, a fintech startup that offers an integrated point of sale solution and payment solutions as well for SMEs in a bid to not just provide flexibility, but to provide simplicity and choice to the merchants from industries such as F&B, beauty, retail and service. With over 6,000 merchants across Singapore, Malaysia, Philippines and Thailand, today we speak with their CEO and co-founder Christopher Chu about Cashier's origin story, what lies ahead for this startup and how they'll compete against other key players in the region such as Storehub, Pine Labs and GHL Systems. Chris, welcome to the show. Hi, Oshan. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here with the studio. Uh, great to have you with us. Uh, quite an interesting business you have here. Mm-hmm. You seem to be trying to create a super app for merchants in a way, right? So helping them process all different kinds of things when it comes to not just payments, but the running of an SME. But we'll get into all of that as we go through this conversation. Uh, first things first, uh, in another interview, I think this was with uh, Money FM over in Singapore, you mentioned that the inspiration for cashier was your auntie who was selling handbags and just using cash. Tell us a little bit about why that inspired you and how that led to you starting and building cashier. Sure. I think the whole idea of cashier was really started by accident, right? Because back in December 2018, I was doing some last minute Christmas shopping with my, <laughs> my aunt's shop. So she used to run a, a neighborhood shop that sells handbags. So when I was there, there was a customer in front of me and she basically chose and, and picked a few handbags and she was getting ready to pay. And I noticed my aunt basically wrote everything down on pen and paper. Mm-hmm. And when it came time for the customers to pay, my aunt only accepted cash. So the customers had to dig out her wallet and, and find, you know, couple of pieces of $50 notes to, to pay to my aunt. So when I, after the customer left, I was very curious. So I, I asked my aunt, hey, why don't you have any pause or payment systems to help you, right? At that time, I was 2018, all of us had a smartphone in our pockets. Smartphones at that time cost only about $200. It was very confusing to me why an SME didn't have a digital system to help them. And my aunt replied to me in Mandarin, oh, uh, too expensive, kind of thought. Lah. Even if I buy, I also don't know how to use. Uh... Yeah. So that was really how the inspiration of Kesha got started, right? We saw a gap in the market where SMEs like my aunt couldn't afford the technologies that's being used by the bigger players, right? And even if they could, they really don't know how to get it implemented or get it used, right? So the whole idea of Kesha was to solve that problem of firstly fragmentation in the space, right? So today, if you look at cashless payments, we have probably 10 different, 20 different (laughs) e-wallets. We have different cards, like you mentioned. Uh, You have your buy now, pay later. You have your national local network, like do it now or pay now in Singapore. So as a merchant in the past, you have to set up 10 different payment accounts, right? With 10 different providers, you get settlement periods in different uh, bank accounts. And it doesn't tally with your POS system at the end of the day. So it's a very manual process. Then we also have the fragmentation of software and tools. So if you run a restaurant, a retail store, you probably have one software for customer loyalty, one for your point of sale, one for your inventory management, another one for digital ordering or e-commerce. You might have 10 different software tools, right? Paying 10 different providers. And none of these software integrate or talk to each other. So now you're left with a very fragmented system. So we started Casher to solve this problem of fragmentation 
complexity and also bring down the cost for the SMEs. So the one pause to rule them all in a way. Correct. Um, and I think that's why I mentioned that super app, right? In the sense that for consumers, we are very familiar with the grabs and the TNGs uh, uh, who are building this one and one for all apps, right? Everything you can get here. You know, TNG maybe has a more car focus uh, um, mandate, uh, but you've got a grab. Who's also, everyone's trying to be that one place where you get everything from. SMEs need that kind of situation. And it seems like what you're doing is not so much vertical driven where I'm a payments provider or facilitator. You seem to be demographically driven. So I'm going to cater the SMEs and not just solve their payments pains, but also other things that come with running an SME. Because like your aunt's, Sometimes it can be complicated to have seven different pieces of software. Um, that's it, you know, uh, Chris. There are uh, Christopher. There are a lot of other players in the space, and yes, they may be more payments focused, like your mm. store hubs, your squares, your GHL systems, all different parts of the stack. There, even Curlac recently I interviewed uh, Zach two weeks ago. They're now full stack payments gateway. Um, there is a lot of competition in this space or adjacent spaces there. How do you plan to, what's the strategy to compete in this space uh, and stay relevant to your base? Sure. The, the way I look at it is which provider can solve the problems the best for the merchants, right? And like I mentioned, the key problems with SMEs today is not that there's no solutions that's targeting them, but it's so vertically specific that SMEs require to sign up 10 different software, 10 different tools, or 10 different payment methods. So the, the key problem is fragmentation in which I think that's the core value proposition which we are solving. A lot of the other providers, like you have mentioned, are very vertically, specifically focused on one tool itself. SMEs can go out there, sign up for 10 different tools, one for pause, one for HR, one for loyalty, one for inventory, and they can still probably run their business relatively successfully. But if you speak to an SME, that's not what they want. They just want one tool, one provider, one vendor to basically manage everything end-to-end, -end, right? Actually, they don't need anything super sophisticated. They don't need very advanced tools. They just want things to work for them at their stage, right? So that's where we come in. We tell the merchants, look, instead of signing up for 10 different software, pay, paying 10 different <laughs> subscriptions, right? Now you just engage Casher as one vendor, one platform. We solve and the entire stack for you, right? From operations to payment to back office, to even your customer-facing part uh, point of view. So we recently we launched like Casher Eats, which is our own online delivery platform. Right? So now we also even provide the merchants with a consumer-facing application where they can reach out to their consumers. So I think that's what SMEs really want, right? That horizontally specific focus that's targeted to them that solve the entire business problems end-to-end. -end. So it's a little bit of uh, a CRM software meets an ERP software meets a HR tech, all molded but curated for SMEs. Correct. Right. You mentioned cashier eats there. Now, obviously, the systems you had before this, uh, when we look at, we go to any F&B uh, business, you know, they've got three different terminals, one for food panda, one for grab delivery, one for credit card terminals, and maybe they need a QR code scanning device as well. Uh, but obviously, payment uh, players like GHL have simplified that as well when it comes to payments. Um, you also mentioned cashier eats there. Is that the system, a feature that plugs into other food delivery services, or are you out here trying to create your own food delivery service? Yeah, so Cashier Eats was our response to the whole COVID-19 pandemic, right? So back in, we started Cashier in 2019. So a few months after that, the pandemic really hit us very mm -hmm. strongly, right? So our core target market at that time was restaurants, retail stores. Uh, restaurants was a very big part of our, our merchant base. It, it still is today at about 50% of our merchants. So at that time, you know, nobody could dine out, right? Everybody could only take away or, or, or you know, offer delivery services. And a lot of the merchants that we onboarded were coming to us and say, hey, uh, Chris, Cashier, can you help us to develop a 
platform where we can also sell directly to our our consumers and have them pick up the food at our stores or you know do that deliveries directly to them. Um, at that time, of course, like I mentioned, food delivery platforms already existed. You have GrabFood, you have FoodPanda. Um, so. Cashier is was really a way to respond to the, the needs of the merchants at that time. Um, so we, we give them a platform that not only allowed them to market directly to the consumers themselves, so we give them a unique URL with their own branding, with their own you know, menu, their own logos, and they can actually allow uh, consumers to order directly through that platform. So it's a white-label food delivery solution. It's a white-label food delivery solution, right? Um, and from there, we actually also expanded to allow integrations with your third-party delivery platforms as well. Okay, because yeah. I was going to ask you, because... You know, that's a great space there where you can allow F&B players, which is 50% of your market, uh, customer base, as you mentioned, mm-hmm. to find a different way to get to the end customer, especially during the COVID time. Uh, but there are also a lot of food delivery players who have already marketplaces. They have customer reach. Um, so how do you, you know, are you cannibalizing a little bit of the business here by, uh, not cannibalizing, are you... You know, is there a bit of a conflict here between, okay, I want to get enablement, access to Grab and Food Panda, but Grab and Food Panda looks at you and say, hey, well, you got Cashier Eats. Um, why do we want to support you in your venture to make it simple for vendors, uh, for your customers? How do you deal with that? Yeah, so we look at ourselves as a technology provider, right? So GrabFood and FoodPanda, they have they are marketplace, right? They onboard merchants, they have their own riders, they have they bring in the market to consumers. Mm-hmm. We do none of those things, right? Our okay. white label platform is basically just a technology or website a platform where the merchants can publish their menu and the items online. Um, they have to do the marketing themselves. Um, they have to arrange for the riders themselves. Of course, we also have integrations Understood. with third-party logistics players. So we don't see ourselves as competing directly with mm. GrabFood and FoodPanda. It's just more of expanding the options for the merchants, right? And what we've seen so far is that merchants usually sign up for all the solutions. So they will sell on GrabFood, they will sell on FoodPanda, they also sell on Cashier Eats, and they have revenue streams from all of these three. So as it stands today, uh, Cashier is a point of primarily a point of sale solution for restaurants and retailers. Uh, some other areas which you are strong in include beauty, retail, and service. Uh, you provide end-to-end payments solutions as well, and you're giving... Uh, you're defragmenting uh, or consolidating the very fragmented and siloed payments situation. On on top of that, you have tools, other tools, including uh, terminals as well to help businesses get online and uh, build their sales. Um, Before we go into a few messages, talk to us us about the extent of the product mix as it stands today. We've already mentioned Cashier Eats. Uh, What else is in your stack of products? Yeah, so we really provide a full stack solution to the merchants, right? From hardware to software to third-party integrations. And like I mentioned, the whole vision is to transform into a super app for the merchants. So we recently launched our flagship device called Cashier X2. It's an 8-inch terminal with uh, dual screens, perfect for SMEs. Uh, but basically, it's all-in-one device. Merchants can accept payments, uh, receive orders, make orders, receive their food delivery orders, uh, run their customer loyalty programs, manage inventory, manage their staff directly on one terminal and one device. What's very common today when you look at restaurants or retail stores, if you look at the counters, usually there's five, ten different systems or, or terminals. Mm. Right? Our whole idea, and actually that's the name for, for why we started, why we name it Cashier as well, right? So it was more of a <laughs> wordplay. Of yeah. course, it sounds like Cashier, but why it starts with a Q is because we wanted to queue everything on the counter, basically. Uh. <laughs> so it's more of a wordplay that we have uh, in, in, in our company name as well, right? So now with one device and one platform, the merchants can really run everything with ease, with simplicity, and at a very low cost as well. 
Uh, Christopher, we've got to go into a few messages, or we will be back in just a bit. Folks, I've been speaking with Christopher Chu, the CEO and co-founder of Cashier, an end-to-end payments and software platform for restaurants and retailers. I'm Roshan Kanesan. You're listening to Open for Business. We'll be back in just a bit, so keep it here to BFM 89.9, the business station. Build fortunes modestly. BFM 89.9. Hey folks, welcome back to Open for Business. I'm Rishin Kunison, and this morning I've been speaking with Christopher Chu, CEO and co-founder of Cashier, and that's Cashier with a Q. They're an end-to-end payments and software platform for restaurants and retailers, essentially trying to be a super app for merchants. Uh, Christopher Cashier has raised uh, just under $6 million in funding, has over 6,000 merchants across Singapore, Malaysia, Philippines, and Thailand, and two primary revenue streams, which is the subscription service or the SaaS part, as well as the payments processing bit as well. Um, that said, given, you know, you have get, gotten a bit of traction here, but when you started, you couldn't have known that this would have, you would have built this business, you would have achieved product market fit and grown. Um, what was it about this area of business or this idea that made you think that it was worth the risk, especially given that most startups fail? Why was this venture worth the risk? I think for us is we are very lucky and fortunate to be able to realize that at a very early stage, we our product really resonated with the SME community, right? Because we were so laser focused on solving problems for the SMEs, which is our key target segment. We were very fortunate that the product that we developed, even at the earliest version, we managed to get traction very quickly, right? So now, like I mentioned, we have been operating since 2019. We are have a presence in four markets in Southeast Asia, Singapore, Malaysia, Thailand, and Philippines uh, with about 6,000 merchants, also very fortunate to have brought on you know, uh, investors like Cocoon Capital and Endler who have supported us at a very early stage. So they helped us to refine our business model, introduce us to our full-on investors and have been a very integral part of the journey. Today, we also have about 150 people uh, across Casher. So all of this would never have been possible without their hard work and their commitment. Mm-hmm. So I think it's really a confluence of all these factors that at a certain point, maybe at the after the first or second year, you start to realize, hey, this is something that is something big that we could actually build, right? And there's opportunities is large across Southeast Asia and also across Asia Pacific as well. So there was there was a market you saw that had potential to extract from to get into, uh, and given your finance background, you were with a PE firm as well before. You understand the need to have that target. Tot- what is the total addressable market and have an understanding of what's the potential of this, even though it's a one percent success rate. Um, there is a chance that we'll get to this number here. What was that potential you saw at the start in terms of, uh, from a business perspective, that made you, again, take that first step and say, um, yes, this is worth trialing and seeing whether we can make it? The addressed market is really, really large, right? So in US, for example, in, in Canada, we have multiple billion dollar companies that's in this space, payments, point of sale. Um, but there's no giant here in Southeast Asia or even Asia Pacific mm. at the moment, right? And the market size is probably similar to what we have over in the US. So in terms of market size, we were very confident that what we were building, there's hundreds, if not millions of restaurants and retail stores all over the world, right? Even though a lot of things are shifting digital, um, the experience for the consumer might be changing, but we don't see that going away. Everybody will still dine out, people will still buy things outside, you know, in a shopping mall, retail shopping, it's always still going to be there. So for us, it's knowing that we have a very big target market, um, uh, we knew that there were there's still competition in this space. So when we started, we were also very intentional about having a differentiated product and a way to market. And for us, like I mentioned, it's always that horizontal approach. How can we help solve the merchant's problems end to end? 
Given that you've raised your Series A in December uh, 2021, you're still very much in growth phase right now, still going out and acquiring customers. Uh, growth is a very key consideration for a business at your stage. That said, with the raising of interest rates and the higher cost of capital, there is now a balancing act that, that investors are asking for. One, we want you to grow. But two, we need to see some kind of path to profitability, uh, if not profitability, imminently. How are you balancing these considerations while growing the business? It's a good question, right? And I think we have always been very intentional about the way we grow, right? I've always tell the team that the ambitions of every startup is to eventually become a unicorn or to be worth a billion dollars. Mm -hmm. But I want to build a billion dollar company that can last a hundred years. Mm -hmm. I think with that, it's a very different approach, right? You can build a billion dollar company, but you can also you know, go down and decline very, very quickly, yeah. right? So we want to build an enduring company that can last a hundred years. So with that means we have to grow sustainably, um, you know, and we are quite lucky to have managed to find a acquisition engine or growth model that works for us. So we do digital marketing very, very well. Um, our target market knows who we are. You know, they are actively looking for solutions like that. Um, they sign up through our website online, digitally, social media. Uh, we walk them through a demo of our solutions uh, and usually the, 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 the merchants actually converts and, and purchases the solutions from there. So the whole acquisition channel and the engine works for us very, very well. It's profitable even at a very early stage from mm -hmm. a unit economics perspective. Um, so for us, it's just knowing the levers to pull at any scenario. So if, for example, if uh, we wanted to grow faster, right, we could always uh, reduce certain prices of our hardware um, and bring the cost down for the merchants. If we wanted to increase our profit margins, we can then increase the cost of the hardware uh, to cover back the cost of the purchase of our hardware. So there's a lot of levers that we could pull to achieve uh, different financial outcomes. What's the main driver of revenue? Is it software sales, subscription services, or the uh, payments processing fees? So both are actually quite equal and both are important revenue streams for us, right? So from a top line perspective, definitely payment processing will comprise majority of the top line. But from a gross margin perspective, actually both payments and software are relatively equal because mm. software has much higher gross margins. Usually you're looking at about 70 to 80% gross margins, whereas most payment companies have gross margins anywhere from 15 to 25%. So it's a good mix, right? Where payments bring you the volumes, but software brings you the margins. So and your expected average margin for cashier? So if you look at a mature company in our space, most of the average margins are roughly around that 30 to 40% range. So that's what we are targeting in the long term as well. You mentioned uh, earlier that you're looking at you're balancing between growth and you had a, and that, that uh, acquisition engine that was working very well for you. Um, and digital marketing played a role in that. Now, digital marketing, if not done well, can be notoriously expensive and inefficient, especially given changes that have happened over the last year with Apple privacy and all of that jazz. Um, how have you been utilizing digital marketing um, to acquire customers? Are we talking primarily SEO, things like that? So we really do a combination of, of everything, right? And I think that's where everything works very well together. So we have really, what we like to call a full-stack marketing team in-house, mm -hmm. right? So uh, we have a team of copywriters, creatives, performance marketers, uh, content. We build and design every, everything in-house. We design our ads, our creative, uh, our copy, everything in-house, right? And I think the key to our success is that being 
very laser focused in our target market of SMEs. In order to succeed with digital marketing, you have to be hyper focused. Mm-hmm. Right? You cannot have a generalized ad that targets yeah. everybody. Right? Because we are so laser focused on knowing who we serve, which is usually the restaurant, FMB community, SMEs, anywhere from between one small independent shop to maybe about 10, 20 stores. We were able to have messaging and creatives that speaks very closely to, to their hearts. And they know that we are there for them because they know that we are there to solve their issues and their problems. I think that through that entire journey of designing ads like that really helps us to optimize our whole acquisition engine. So you have over 6,000 merchants across the key, the four key markets, Singapore being your main one, followed by Malaysia. You've also got Philippines and Thailand as well. Two primary revenue streams. Uh, growth is still a key part of your business. What has the growth rate been over the, since you started and uh, where are you now in terms of revenue? Yeah. So for us, we have been trending at double-digit percentage growth month-on-month right? Um, for the past 12 months. I think that's something that we want to still achieve. Uh, Did you say month-on-month? Month-on-month, okay. correct. Uh, month-on-month, double-digit month-on-month um, in the past 12 months, that's something that we will still aim to achieve in the next 18 months. Mm-hmm. Currently, revenue run rate is trending about double-digit USD millions. Um, so I think we are at a very like I mentioned, very nice growth stage of our organization. Uh, we started our operations in Malaysia about two years ago. We started in Thailand and Philippines about one and a half years ago. So we're still relatively early in our market expansion in our four core markets. There's still a lot for us to do, a lot of merchants for us to reach out to, but there's also a lot of opportunities in new markets as well. So we are looking at expansion beyond Southeast Asia into the broader APEC region. Uh, we're still planning that, so we'll probably have a lot more news in the coming few months. Uh, there's also a lot of opportunities in product expansion and development as well. So our whole vision is to transform into a super app, right? So there's always so much we can do to bring more software and tools into our ecosystem. We might not need to build everything ourselves, but we are constantly looking at what other tools and software the merchants are using can be other third-party tools and bringing it and integrating it into our ecosystem. So I think there's a lot of opportunities there. You have uh, the few products that we talked about earlier, but the larger ambition is to increase your share of wallet when it comes to the SMEs, not necessarily payment specific. Uh, We mentioned earlier, right, that one app, that one POS system, uh, super app kind of situation. Um, What is the next most likely vertical for you to integrate into your business? I think there's a lot of opportunities in the fintech segment for mm-hmm. for SMEs, right? So we started off with payments, right? But if with payments and now we have the payment infrastructure, I think we can expand into a lot of other fintech verticals that's very exciting for SMEs as well. So nowadays we see a lot of digital banking or uh, loans, that's, uh, loans that's being offered targeted specifically to the SMEs. Mm-hmm. Because the SMEs is transacting every everything through our platform, right? We have a lot of data regarding their transactions, their sales. Uh, we can use a lot of this data to actually offer them potentially loans as well and underwrite loans. And, and digital lending is a very lucrative business. Correct, correct. Right. And and we, we think that we have advantage doing this because we have so much data that's generated and transacted through our platform. So that's something that we have been looking at very seriously um, over the past few months, uh, something that we want to deepen our fintech stack and, and help you know, merchants, uh, you know, enable fintech, you know, digitalization for their business as well. Go and acquire customers and then sell them other products later on. Are you going to need more funding to achieve these targets? And are you going, are you going to be raising anytime soon? Uh, 
Yeah, so we have been looking at our fundraising for a couple of months. So uh, I think we are quite at an advanced stage currently. Definitely, in we in order for us to, to reach our next stage, the ambitions that we have is to eventually be global, a, a global company as well. Uh, we are looking at doubling down on product development. We are going to open up a new office in Malaysia uh, very uh, very recently in the next couple of months. 10,000 square feet, going to double our team size. So definitely, we're still in a growth stage. We are looking at uh, fundraising our next stage to give us more resources to double down on what we are good at and also to expect more markets and more products as well. Just to get a sense of where the mindset is in the long term, um, you are seeing good unit economics, you're seeing good growth, you have global ambitions. The average exit time for a Malaysian startup, 8.1 years. I'm not sure what the average startup uh, time for is in Singapore. Uh, give us a sense of what you think is the most likely exit for cashier. Are we talking about a M&A, trade sale, IPO? Where are your thoughts on this? I think for me is honestly it's relatively early on in the business, right? So definitely, I think we will have a, a little bit more top process into that, you know, maybe one or two years down the road. Uh, but for us, I always like to think of it as a way of what can get a company to the next level, mm-hmm. right? If going to the IPO can give us more resources, get our branding out there and get us more capital to expand to more markets and more products, then that's the path. If doing a trade sale and selling to a larger, more established company in the US or Europe who wants to expand to Southeast Asia, and that could help us create a giant in this region, then that may be the path. Mm-hmm. Right? I want to do the best thing for the SMEs and the merchants at the end of the day. Right? I think the exit and the returns can come in many forms. Mm-hmm. But what ultimately is our choice to continue growing the business? Like I mentioned, I want to build a unicorn or a billion dollar company that can last 100 years. So we're not here just for a short-term exit, but we really want to make an impact in the SME community. Christopher, with the 30 seconds we have left, um, what do you expect to see Cashier look like in five years? Well, five years is a relatively long time. Our company has only been, <laughs> has only been established for four and a half years. Uh, but for us, definitely, we like to see uh, us serving a lot more merchants than what we currently have right now, 6,000 in our portfolio. Uh, hopefully, we can 10x that or even more than you know, 10x in, in the next five years. Uh, looking to expand to more markets in Asia Pacific. So we've already identified a few currently planning our launch strategy for that. Looking to expand our product verticals, uh, both the software and the fintech side. So the whole vision eventually is to really try transform into one super app for the SMEs. Sign up for one platform, solve your problems any, from anywhere, from operations to finance to your back office directly with Kesha. Christopher, thank you so much for your time today. Folks, I've been speaking with Christopher Chu, CEO and co-founder of Cashier, an end-to-end payments and software platform for restaurants and retailers. And in the future, maybe a lot more than that. I'm Roshan Kennison. You've been listening to Open for Business. Keep it here to BFM 89.9, the business station. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.